0: I will me. I'm like 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 i
1: Folks, welcome inside the Parisi Palace, high above thirty-seven seventy-three East Broadway. This is the Jake Feinberg Show. comedy on Power Talk. Please go to our website, powertalk.live, Live. Download our free app and stream all of our live local programming, including Solomon on Blast, the Jim Parisi Show, and yours truly, the Jake Feinberg Show. We can't thank you enough for making us part of your day today, and. Without further ado, it's always been invigorating for me uh, over the last uh, couple of years. I've been on this journey six years and I've been mainly interviewing the graybeards of music, uh, but to be able to connect with my peer group has been somewhat cathartic because you realize at a certain point, no matter how soulless you might think things are, there is a younger generation that is stirring the pot of melodic improvisation and stretching out ears and doing their best to create new vocabulary on the bandstand And I have one of those cats On the program right now Guitarist Justin Mazur Welcome to the Jake Feinberg Show
0: Thank you for having
1: me um, When did you pick up the apparatus My man Like, When, when did you the two, two part question When did you first pick up the, the, the apparatus And then Do you believe or have you felt That the music is coming through you From the heavens
0: well, I um, I started playing guitar. I, I kind of really got into playing guitar when I was a teenager, 12, 13 years old, and I started playing music in front of people when I was sixteen. Um, you know, it, it's a constant pursuit for me in a lot of ways, but, um, you know, early on, I definitely felt like it felt like you know the moments on stage where things really clicked. And you're you're totally locked in, and time kind of stands still. You know, you definitely get the feeling of almost like a telepathic, you know, that 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 energy or that music's being sent to you from from somewhere. You know, it, whereas like if you know everything else, it's almost like you're I'm like watching myself play music from I'm like elevate I'm like elevated above myself, watching myself play in that moment. When exactly, they, this totally is what I'm getting at. In.
1: This is exact. You're the metaphysical component. You're on the side of the stage, or you're above yourself watching yourself play. Uh, Is there a time that you can point to specifically when this uh, became a realization for you?
0: Um, Probably, you know, a few years after I started playing in front of people and got a little comfortable with my chops and being a performer. um, I I don't know if I can necessarily pinpoint an, an exact moment, um, per se, but, uh, it, you know, largely it kind of has to do with, um, you know, the, the energy exchange between the crowd and, and you, and, you know, once I was able, you know, once I was able to get on the stage with a, with a responsive crowd, I think, you know, whenever that was, that was probably the, the first few times that, um, that kind of happened. And it was, um, it's a pretty surreal experience And, and you know, every when you go out And play on, on a normal basis You don't always get there You don't always achieve that But once you've experienced something like that Once, it's kind of like That's the kind of pursuit That you have to undertake Is you're, you're always trying to get back to that place Where, you know, time kind of stands still And, you, and you, you enter that Like you said, a bit of a metaphysical Kind of state of performing
1: How often does it happen to you uh in the in the bands that you're in now i mean what i'm saying i know you can't flip a switch but i mean the more that you play with a unit the easier those some people call it the level of coincidences i don't personally believe in that there are coincidences but that they say the level of coincidences uh are are, the probability is higher that you will uh lose yourself as a unit uh, how often does it? I mean, what I'm saying is that's what keep no matter. Even if you're a starving genius, even if you're barely getting by, it doesn't matter because you're getting off. I'm just curious how much you're getting off on the bandstand as a unit every night in the bands that you're in. The more that you play in a unit, the more that you have this opportunity to sort of lose yourself and the music be, start, starts to play you.
0: I, I would say, you know, yes and no to that because absolutely having chemistry with people you're on stage with and trusting the other people on stage and you know feeling good with the other people on stage that definitely is a humongous part of it but at the same token I found that over the years there's not a lot of rhyme and reason to the 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 setting or the or the gig or anything I mean I could have I could experience some pretty amazing musical moments in the most (laughs) unsuspected gigs uh you know that you wouldn't think would be uh for example you know sometimes you, you play kind of weekly resident residency type gigs pick up gigs with different players and that usually results in a bit of looseness um because it's with guys that are on tour or that have you know day job music gigs on the weekend so the the excitement sometimes of playing with new people and doing something spontaneous it almost takes you out of that um that rhythm of you know if, if you play with the band full time you're playing the same songs every night, and sometimes the excitement of just performing with new people and just doing something totally in the moment on the fly—it's almost easier or more accessible to kind of achieve um, something like that in that setting. Not to say that you can't necessarily do that, or it's difficult to do that with a with with the songbook that you played a lot. Because on that note, once you get to really know a song or get in tune with a song you don't have to think about performing it and you could kind of get lost in you know the vibe of the room and the crowd and the moment and forget about you if you didn't sleep the night before if you had a rough travel day or you know some guy pissed off another guy before you went on stage none of that really matters if you're really in tune with with the music
1: talking to justin mazer here on the jake feinberg show uh did you i'm always curious i mean are you a street scholar or did you actually go, I, did you go into academia and get a degree in music?
0: Um, I guess, I guess I'm a street scholar. Good. I, um, Good. I, I never for, formally stud, studied music at a university or in school. I mean, I, I've taken, I've taken a handful of lessons over the years. Um, by a handful, I mean probably under, under a half dozen. Um, but really I, I've cut my teeth from, playing with a number of different uh, bands, a number of different uh, styles of music early on in, in my career, whereas I, I did stints with, you know, country bands and hip-hop bands and rock bands. And when you play different styles of music, you almost get to learn different languages. And those languages, for me at least, exceed what, you know, I would consider to be more of a scholastic kind of training. Um, and it, it kind of teaches you to be able to have this large vocabulary that you could, that you could use and more importantly it's knowing how to, how and when to use that vocabulary as opposed to just being able to kind of be flashy all the time you know it's it's being selective in the in the stuff that you know and the in the languages musical languages that you learn the vocabulary that you learn and knowing when to use that is, is as important as actually knowing it.
1: what about the idea of just playing with real human beings i mean i, I i'm 39 I you're probably younger than me and i just it seems like Gen Xers and definitely younger generations have a hard time getting out of the way of machines. And ultimately, it's you're on the bandstand with a cat like Tony Leone. Uh, the rhythms aren't coming from his arms and shoulders; they're coming from his heart. I mean, how much is it is it having to do with humanity playing with different cats who are all have their own different? I mean, you can have your vocabulary. But ultimately, when you're playing with people, that everyone has their own internal time feel. They have their own internal rhythm. And how how invigorating and how liberating has it been for you to have this opportunity? How did you even wind up? I mean, how does it work where you're a street scholar and then you wind up playing with all these cats that are playing essentially uh, improvisational jam music? I mean, your 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 resume speaks for itself. It's not like you're playing like, I mean, how does that happen?
0: Well... You know, I, I think in regards to especially improvisational music, your personality comes out more so than your chops, where it's like, you know, who you are off stage and the way you interact with people and the way that you live your life and the way that you play music. That's all kind of one gigantic thing that um, it's it's going to resonate with whatever you play. And, uh, you know, I think the way that the way that great bands work is it's not so much that, you know, historically speaking, some of the best bands of all time, it's it, it more so just not the, not the technical prowess that they, they exude, but rather um, just the combination of everyone's person musical personality complementing one another's, and it's almost like a, a crazy algorithm or formula that, that you can't even <laughs> write down on, on paper, you know, you can't quite pinpoint it, but it, it, the best bands that I've played in and the, you know, the best musical moments I've had have just been with a really great combination of musical personalities meaning maybe this drummer has a different uh maybe he uh has a different feel than another drummer it doesn't mean that he's bad or better or worse but maybe this guitar player you know likes to kind of play in a certain way that that complements this drummer's style and it's like again it goes but it's almost like an algorithm where it's like if you get guys that are all mindful of all that on stage then it just seems as though that that goes a much longer way than again just the outright technical prowess. Not to say that that's not important; it certainly is. But musical personalities are a big part of you know my, my enjoyment of playing with certain people, and I, I definitely I look for that first or first and foremost in, in often in you know enjoying playing music and appreciating people that I work with as opposed to what whatever it is they're playing from a technical standpoint
1: i i have to ask you though i'm 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 a little bit blown out how did you uh he says some of the folks i performed with and the first band is leroy justice oh yeah now my dearest friend well i shouldn't he's a dear comrade of mine is sloan zuckerman how did you wind up with leroy
0: that's a funny that's a funny you mentioned that i was just telling uh in the car with a buddy and I was just telling him the story about how that kind of came to be but oh, wow. Um, this is great basically I uh I was that was my first real gig that kind of took me out of you know playing shows in my hometown and maybe occasionally out of town with certain bands and kind of you know put put me on a new mark for for playing you know regionally and in some cases nationally but um I let's see I basically i i showed up to a band rehearsal one day with the band that I was playing with at the time, and they said, "Hey, I think Leroy Justice is looking, looking for a new guitar player, and um, they, they might be calling you." And I immediately was I knew who the guys were and stuff, but I thought it was a bit of a long shot because they were, in my mind at the time, you know they were they were a pretty big regional band, and sure. I, I was twenty one. I was twenty one at the time, so I was like, "That <laughs> seems like a tall order for them to want to contact me," but. <laughs> That same day, I I I went into the local coffee shop, and the drummer at the time was for that band worked there occasionally, and he saw me, and you know he often would say like the moment you walked through that door, that I just everything clicked, and I knew that you were going to be the guy for the the job. And then almost immediately, I he got me a a quote unquote audition. I was it wasn't really anybody else auditioning, but. I, I learned the songs. I, I showed up at the rehearsal space, and I, you know, I, I just put the songs to memory, and I just played the tunes, and I was myself. And almost immediately, I think like four days after that, they they had me go um, do what they called the callback audition, which was play at a pretty big for me at the time a pretty big festival in uh, like northern Pennsylvania, and I had to I had to kind of have a guitar face off with Scott Metzger. Uh, it was an amazing guitar player I've, no, City, I've, you know. I've i've
1: i've i've caught uh two hangs with me- i can't wait so wait it was a, it was a battle of the of the axes with metzger well well well, well kind
0: not kind of it, it basically they opened up the show with just the four piece and then they brought me up and i played a bunch of songs and then they're like oh we're gonna have scott come up and, and sit in too and
1: oh my gosh you know this when is classic.
0: multiple guitar and i was 21 at the time and i was like <laughs> all right well this is you know this is what separates the men from the boys i guess if i could hang with these guys then." I hopefully will be in good shape. You know, it's like necessity in that moment is, is very much so the mother of invention. So, I, you know, by necessity, I, I kind of had to hang on for, you know, for dear life in, in, in some ways. And, you know, everybody everybody that was there, you know, the guys in the band, still we still talk about that night as being really special and memorable just because, um, you know, everything kind of clicked and fell into place like in that moment it was happening. And that again, going back to, what you were saying in the conversation earlier it's like even though it was a little nerve-wracking for me at the time that was definitely a moment where it's like I was prepared you know I, I knew the songs and I was excited and a little nervous but like all of that kind of gave way to just literally experiencing that that first show with Leroy Justice in the moment and like one of my favorite shows in my entire life uh, I can't even quite uh it's, it's hard to even like you know, fully remember and appreciate the, the excitement I had of just being on stage with a guitar player who I was a, you know, a pretty big fan of, and um, you know on stage with this rock band of, of dudes that were you know at least 10 years older than me at the time. and uh, that was a really special night and that, that gave way to you know shortly after that, I ended up joining the band full time and we, we had a great run for for many years and we, I mean it was some of the best times of my life were uh, with those guys.
1: Yeah, just uh, for perspective, I, I, I caught a hang uh, back in March 2014 with Jason Gallagher. And then Zuckerman Sloan was my camp counselor at Scatico in upstate New York for many years. Um, oh, cool. So it's just amazing that they were the maiden voyage for, for Mazer. I mean, this is really quite a cathartic thing. This is... This is a six degrees of separation that goes on. I mean, are you from the same uh, rural Pennsylvania area as Kimok is?
0: Uh, yes, I am. Well, for the most part, he's from uh, Lehigh Valley. I'm from Wyoming Valley. We we grew up uh, about an hour away from each other. But uh, it's funny. I just we just played together last night in Woodstock, New York, and um, you know, we're talking about. I, I've known him and been making music with him off and on in a number of different projects for ten years now.
1: And, we're, and you're talking about John or, or Steve? Uh, John. John so, so I've interviewed both John and. St- so John, I, why don't you talk a little bit about? Well, what band are you? You're in a band with with John?
0: Uh, actually, a few. Um, wow. You know, it's it, you know it's tough because we all have kind of our our main. Gigs, if you will. Yeah, I dig. Or our, main, our main bands that we work with and tour with. Um, but, you know, whenever we can, we collaborate. You know, we, we'll, we'll often do some stuff in Burlington, Vermont, um, or like throw out gig kind of things. But we, um, we played in a project called Jimmy, which is mostly uh, John's solo material. It's just drums and guitar, lots of loops and samples. And I, it's funny, I was just talking to my buddy here about that as well. But, you know, that basically, we took about two weeks. Of pretty rigorous rehearsals to get a product of about a 45 minute show together. It's very, very complex music. Um, basically, Johnny would just record and make these almost theatrical pieces, uh, recording pieces, and then we would have to go back and try to make sense of how we could perform those songs live with just a duo. And we used a lot of loops and samples and stuff like that. And that was a really fun, creative band to work with. And I always enjoy working with John in the studio and from a creative standpoint. So it, w- it was really fun to kind of translate that into a live setting and the shows were a lot of fun and they went really well.
1: Is there, uh, is it very, I don't want to say f- you said it's uh complex, but is it very formulaic or there's a lot of opportunity for improvisation?
0: Not, not really any improvisation whatsoever, which was kind of what's what made it challenging. It was, um, you know, th- there was is very, um, there was lots of space, there were lots of sonic components that went into it, and, um, you know, John was definitely doing a lot of the heavy lifting in terms of operating some of those loops and samples, whereas I just kind of was lucky enough to just play guitar. Um, But, you know, there's certain songs that had guitar parts looped that I would just cover, or there were certain songs that we would kind of almost re... I'd write a guitar part for it, and then we'd figure out how to kind of successfully mix that in with some of the baselines and triggers and loops and samples that Johnny was using and it was it took a little while I mean we definitely shed it on that stuff for for several weeks before we were we kind of had a 45-minute a, a set that we were ready to present to people
1: you know uh, Mazer, what, what would be I mean you're not exactly a graybeard uh, in fact your career is just really just getting going but uh, for cats that you know Uh, What would be your advice to to cats that are that don't want to take the academic track? I mean, I'm a firm believer in as a non musician, uh, but I just as a firm believer, I just don't think that the vocabulary of music can grow in academia. And I just wanted you to talk to cats about uh, what are the most important things mentally that they have to go through if they want to take. The lonely avenue of the street scholar, because ultimately on the streets you're going to bump into cats like Kimok, Leone. You know these are scat; these are street scholars too. But right, it, it within that you're also going to have some lone- There's going to be some lonely avenues. So th- the mental part of it is actually much more difficult than the facility part of it or the chops. And so I just wanted you to get, lend some advice to cats who. Maybe aren't even aware before the dawn, so to speak, of their street scholar track.
0: Sure. Well, two main points. Um, you know, the first being, um, say yes to every gig that's offered to you for as long as you possibly can, um, because whether, whether the gigs are good, bad, you know, ugly, um, you you will learn something from every new experience uh, on every level musically and otherwise and a big part of being a kind of a street guy is like you know knowing your chops and everything but also knowing how to how gigs are and what you know what you how you need to present yourself and carry yourself and you know what the the whole day on the job site kind of entails as opposed to just so it's actually much more than just being able to go out and just perform well i mean you, you you have to you have to really be on point in other aspects of your life too, to 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 get kind of cold calls to play gigs but then more importantly to get the call back um
1: can you could you couldn't you give an example of uh of something because i i oftentimes look at the macro i uh you know i'm interviewing uh artists and you know sort of trying to you know foster wisdom and and in, enlightenment and also inspire peeps, but sometimes it's the other parts of the entertainment or your responsibilities as an as a musician as a the job component of it uh was there something that tripped you up that then you then you learned from it that was maybe seemed like small potatoes, but actually was kind of a big deal um
0: yeah, I mean little things you know like showing up on time and like you know, you don't necessarily have to look like a a rock star on stage, but if you're, you know, you want to, you want to look professional and also be prepared and like showing up and knowing your material in the long run, that goes, it's very simple, you know, but it goes a long way, just showing up prepared and just, you know, looking presentable and getting there on time and, you know, being sociable to some extent and, um, you know, all that goes a very long way. and I mean, even if you do all that, but you're not the most talented, you know, instrumentalist, like, that will carry the weight of that in a lot of ways. And ultimately, I mean, I found that, you know, bands that are, are situations where guys get calls for gigs, it's like you're going to get the call back because you were a good guitar player, a great hang, and a professional guy as opposed to an amazing guitar player but not that great of a hang. Or not that professional
1: um, where where are you at in your evolution I mean where what are you looking to are, are you are you looking to be a leader are you a leader of a band
0: um well I you know basically I you know, I have I've done a good amount of freelance work in, in recent years <laughs> and uh, I've in terms of songwriting and band leading I, I, I generally I'm not the kind of guy that could sit down and just write with a guitar and write songs. I kind of have to hear them in my head almost entirely before I could could sit down and work them out. And I've been I've been really inspired to do writing, to to be writing songs in the last year or so. And I have a I have a trio that I I guess I'm kind of the band leader in uh, more so than anything else I've I've been a part of, and, and meaning that I write a good amount of the material. And it's just drums, bass, and guitar, so almost by proxy to kind of end up being the band leader and it's it's exciting to it's exciting to kind of get into that a little bit and exercise that and it really it makes me kind of appreciate band, lead, band leaders that I work for in general because when you write your own material and you perform it and you're leading a band it's almost an accountability thing where it's like if I play in some if I play someone else's music there's there's part of me that's like oh well you know I'm I'm not. These aren't my songs, so I'm not accountable if like the success of this band isn't where where it should be. But which is not true. Um, And that's the thing. It's like it kind of by being having experience being a band leader, it forces you to or doesn't force you, but it, it makes you kind of realize and and respect the fact that whatever gig or band or musical endeavor you're involved with. I mean, if you're on stage performing you're equally as accountable for for the way that that product sounds and is as the band leader or anybody else uh
1: i mean have you have you have you ventured out to uh to terrapin crossroads to the west coast to play with phil lesh at all
0: um i've i've played at terrapin before but not with phil um ironically enough the one time i played at terrapin crossroads um, Phil Lesh was playing at the Capitol Theater, and they had the show webcast So yep. I played the after parties for Phil at Garcia's at the Cap before, but now it's like, man, we're 3, I'm three thousand miles away from the Capitol Theater, and I still have to wait for Phil to finish the Cap right. before we could play here in San Francisco at, at Terra, which I thought was pretty funny. That's
1: really funny. I mean, uh, what do you feel like um, that you are? Like from a, what are you looking at? Like I, I think it was profound what you just said about you know basically making sure that you pick up the slack, even if you're not the band leader. You know to make you know that you know you you have the accountability, and people are always watching. Um, I'm just curious about you know as far as where do you where what do you want to grow the most in? Uh, is it because like you know what I, I did? Part of me like I understand like you know you showed up on time you fit in you were professional you get the call back i also say it's got to be it's got to feel good like the music has got to feel yeah. you know you're not just like a you're not just like a hired gun you know i mean that to me is like uh to me it's got to feel good right i mean there's a component to that as well to get the call back
0: absolutely absolutely and um you know it's almost like for me the the art the art aspect of playing music is um, is the pursuit of every of of everything, and the philosophy of the pursuit is almost as much of an art as the music itself. Um, and to kind of elaborate that uh, elaborate on that for a second, uh, one of the best examples I could use is um, it's actually a drummer, but his name is uh, Kenny Aronoff, and he is one of the most sought-after drummers kind of on the the national circuit he's john fogarty's drummer and any like big big show where there's kind of a house band like the love for levon show uh or like you know in nashville when there's multiple artists and there's just a house band he's the guy that gets to call for all of that stuff and he has a great book where he kind of talks about what his day-to-day life is like where okay he's on tour with john fogarty and he gets a last minute call to play you know a full night of music with some of the biggest performers in the world. And he has to basically learn those songs in hotel rooms, uh, in between John Fogarty shows. And then he has to do an overnight flight, get to this venue and then work out arrangements up until when doors open and be able to kind of operate in that spontaneous nature under that kind of pressure. That to me in itself is an art form to be able to be comfortable and confident enough with your own chops to who you are as a dude and as a performer to be able to go out there and kind of trust your own your own voice and your own musical essence to then be, to go out there and, and do that under that kind of pressure. Um, that, to me, is an art form in itself.
1: Is uh, the Mazer Trio uh, like uh, a burning stone jazz trio? I mean, is it with Lyra? Is it a power trio? I mean, I'm just trying to get an idea of, like, what to expect if I came to see you guys. I'm kind of hoping that it's more like a funk jazz thing.
0: Um definitely taps into that a little bit it's It's kind of the marriage of a lot of things for me where I'm kind of just writing songs and seeing you know, I'm not really putting much trying not to really concentrate it into it being any specific thing, but there's there's elements of kind of groove oriented funk and jazz and r and b and stuff like that uh and then there's also the element of more atmospherical kind of post rock type stuff that I've always been a fan of, and then also um, Telecaster guitar playing, you know, Danny Gatton and Roy Buchanan, Jim Campolongo, you know, all that Absolutely. kind of Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You're Fender really, you're knocking song. it out.
1: Yeah. Wow. This is.
0: So somewhere in the middle of all three of those things, the trio lives and it's exciting because it's almost exponentially growing. Every time we get together and put shows together, I have new songs. I like to play and, uh, it's, it's exciting because it's, it's with guys that I've made a lot of music with over the years. And again, it's one of those things where it's, the combination of the three of us work really well together and we all kind of bring something unique to the table and it's, it's definitely not like I'm flexing musical muscles. It's more so trying to create a a vibe um, that is all oddly cohesive with all the material that we're, that we're playing. And um, it's, it's been fun and it's fun to kind of put some time into what I consider to kind of largely be a passion project. I mean, it's it's funny. is isn't really, I mean, to some extent, you know, if you're playing music for a living, it's like money isn't, you know, there has to be a, a fine line. It's like, yes, we make our livings and we need to put value to what we do. But at the same time, you know, with my trio, it's like I just kind of want to play shows and, and if people show up and appreciate and enjoy, you know, what I'm doing, then that's that's really all I could ask for.
1: Yeah, whether it's two people or 2,000, man, I dig, you know. Um, and I, I get yeah. And
0: I get fans from, like, you know, over the years – a couple times we've gone out and done that this year, you know fans from Leroy Justice people have seen me with Leroy Justice or any other bands I've worked with and it's just it's almost it's it's gratifying to see people from over the course of you know my journey that have recognized me for as being a guitar player they like to come see what my thing's about, and that that to me is like more than I could ask for.
1: One final question: If you could foist some uh, tracks from the Mazer Trio on me, I'd love to that for set two. But uh, I just wanted to close in this session by asking you about um, if you could. Uh, you talked about Aaronoff, uh, but what? But uh, when? When did you play with Leone? And and could you describe his his time feel?
0: Sure. So I that would that was probably at this point about three years ago. He did a weekend run with Leroy Justice, I think we did one week or two weeks with him and um, I've seen him a few times it, since then, but he was definitely one of the more unique drummers I've ever worked with, he had um, a very, very distinctive it's almost John Bonham-esque style of drumming very solid, very, very punchy but he also had this kind of unique pocket of space where he was it's almost like a funkier version of John Bonham I mean, John <laughs> Bonham was a pocket drummer sure. but, uh, but but Tony he kind of was able to really transcend the rock drumming and he, even though it—you know he could really play those rock parts super solid, super heavily he had such a light touch uh, and such a cool feel there were certain points where I'd be looking back and he would be um, he was really great with like Know, it almost sounded as at certain points where there were two or three drummers on stage he would play with a shaker in one hand and be able to just kind of play a groove with the other hand and i look back i'm like oh that's awesome i would never have thought of that it sounds so huge and so big and it makes it really uh complements the the song
1: uh yeah he well that part of that was his uh schooling under jackie mclean he had that jazz feel too which was great not just that rock but uh Mazer man I I mean the sky's the limit dude you got a good head on your shoulders you're you're not getting caught up in academia you're on the bandstand and uh yeah man let's catch another hang soon man I really I had a ball talking to you man
0: it was it was great to chat with you thanks so much for having me and definitely you know definitely stay in contact
1: yeah I'll be I'll be disseminating I'll get you a copy of this later but I'll also be disseminating some of these stories on new media as well flying all over the place for you
0: that sounds great man thank you so much it was it was a to be able to chat with you this afternoon, you caught me at a good time.
1: Good man, good. Yo, keep rocking out. We'll talk soon, brother.
0: Sounds good. Take care.
1: Later.